Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney, a mailbag special. What's up, brother? This might be the best mailbag special we've ever done. I love the concept. I love the way you architected it, put it together. Uh, 24 questions for 2024. Chef's kiss. Yeah. And can I clear up a misconception that I think, I don't know if this exists or not about when we do mailbag episodes, but in case there are people out there who feel this way, I want to clear something up for them. I sometimes wonder, JJ, if there's people out there who think us doing a mailbag pod is the podcasting equivalent of a teacher showing a video in class. <laughs> like, I just don't have it today here. Let me put on a video. Like, and let me just say class, it's 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 winding down to summer. Uh, there's only a few hours left in our history class. Let's watch Gettysburg. <laughs> right. I need two days to just not do anything. Um, and if that exists about the mailbag, oh, here they go. They don't feel like it. They're just going to use our questions. And so be- uh, I would like to clear that up by saying this is actually a lot more work because the number of different topics that I feel like I need to make sure I'm well-versed in and yeah. up on. But it's good. It keeps us way more. It keeps us on the edge. I agree. Know? And I love it. Because your brain turns to mush thinking about Sean Dyche most of the time. It's right. good to think about somebody else. No, I Maybe love these. The these are some of, of my, literally some of my favorite podcasts that we do. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff. You guys, you guys really answered the call. Um, and I should say in advance. So we'll do the 24 questions for 2024. Um, couldn't get to everyone. I'll, I'll give out some specific apologies, I guess, at the end. But let's get right to it. Let's get right to it because we got a lot to do here. Um, let's see. I'll go to the first question, JJ. It comes from CR Packers. Uh, who asks, what should Chelsea's goal be for the rest of the season? Finish top five or just focus on playing consistent with the hopes for next season? I mean, it's a nice, easy one to start off. Just get consistent. Try and get a run together in the Premier League of wins. That's it. That's literally it. I mean, it 
when we hear managers say, oh, we were taking it game by game, you know, each game's a cup final for us. I mean, do that. Pochettino, just every game, try and win the game and then think of the next game as that kind of an entity of itself. They can't be projecting towards anything with the way they're playing right now. Yeah, and t- and if they want to talk about top five, so Chelsea have 28 points right now. Spurs are fifth on 39. So that's where, to get to top five, that's what you have to be looking at. It's an 11-point gap. It's not impossible, but it's improbable. I mean, Tottenham are about to start getting key players back from injury. Um, I agree with you. String wins together. Uh, they've won two in a row only twice this season. They beat Fulham and Burnley. And they've just recently beaten Palace and Luton. If they win yeah. their next game, it'll be their first three-game winning streak of the season. They've got get to that. Games. Get to that. Right. And by the way, you say you know treating games like a cup final. How about the literal cup final that you're staring down? Like they're in the semis right now, the Carabao Cup. They're facing Middlesbrough. Like I wouldn't be quite as concerned about where I'm finishing in the league as I would be winning that trophy because you know. And we've seen this in the past with Arsenal in some of their down years under Wenger. They still won FA Cups. The best clubs I find are the ones who at the end of the season can say, you know, here's the difference between me and the rest of you. My awful season still included a parade for my fans. Do that. Remind people of that. If you're Chelsea in this terrible season, if you win that trophy, it's still a reminder to everyone. Hey, we're still Chelsea. Even when we're down, we're still one of the big guys. So I wouldn't be top five. Wouldn't be my focus. Win that care about cup beat Middlesbrough, get to that final. And then who knows? Uh, I'd be looking at that right now. So that's great. Yeah. Easy start. Um, nice, gentle start there. Solving Chelsea's problems. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see what their transfer window looks like. It looks like it could, I mean, with the Todd father, it's always going to be a flurry of activity. Um, we'll see what that entails. All right. Next one, JJ. Uh, this comes from Knoxville 6789. One of the animals uh, who says, who is in line to replace Matt Turner? Oh, this is dark. Who's in line to replace Matt Turner as starting goalkeeper for the USMNT? A lot of USMNT players in Europe are having good seasons, with Turner being a notable exception. Is it a good idea to double down on Turner with Copa America right around the corner, or should we be looking at a replacement sooner rather than later? For me, Bearhalter, for me, Bearhalter is a, he's completely, not completely loyal, but very loyal. And he's going to look at his options and think, if, unless things get like dramatically worse, He's had a lot of errors leading to goals. I, I do understand that. Um, but Bearhalter will look at this sunny side up. He'll go, made a lot of saves in those games too. Still doing fundamentally okay. Although we his his kicking under pressure has been exposed wildly. Matt Turner being forced onto his left foot is is it's a horror show. I I, I wouldn't allow children to watch it. It's so bad. Um, but he looks down the line. Ethan Horvath doesn't play football. Zach Steffen, just in, in the last few days, has opted to return to play in MLS with Colorado. Um, there are other, there, of course, there's other American goalkeepers, but I don't see an immediate tested and ready replacement. Yeah, I agree. I think Turner is a little bit fortunate that he is the America's number one in this moment in time. Because like you said, there there have been other moments, Keller and Friedel, you know, where like, how do you pick? I don't think we're I don't think we're in one of those moments right now. There's we are not. not. A, there's not a surplus at this position, which is kind of weird because oftentimes it's kind of America's strength. Um, 
So we'll see. I mean, look, Stefan going back to MLS might actually be a good thing for him if he can get in like a consistent run of games and remind everyone that he's still good. I wonder if someone like Drake Callender can rise up the rankings a little bit. I could, um, but he's he he is in the conversation. There's no question for me. But we don't know about him at that level. Right. There's no and, there's no body of work at that level. Yeah. I mean, look, Turner, for for whatever the shortcomings are, he's got a couple things in his favor. He's an American who is starting right now in the Premier League. I mean, that is that's good. And by the way, his teammates the, seem to love him, by the way. Oh, well, he's I mean, this, everyone you talk to, he's like he's one of the best guys on in the world. Um, you know, and he made he made, you know, he made that howler of a mistake against United with his kick in again. I mean, but, but but then he makes a massive stave, yeah, kinda... break down the field, and 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 there were players who congratulated him after the goal. So yeah. like, he's definitely limited kicking, way more than we probably thought. But the fundamentals, even though they haven't always been great this season, I still think the fundamentals are there, and it's too much of a jump for Bearhalter now to to switch. He's not going to do it. He's just, I, I can't see it. He's still top half of the league in the Premier League in save percentage. He's over 70%. Um, some of his passing stats, like you said, when he's under pressure, then it's another story. But if you just look at base passing stats, they're actually not bad. His percentage of launch passes completed is literally tied for the best in the league with Ederson. So he is consistent. If he has time looking downfield, he'll pick a pass. He can do that. I've he, seen he, him from, yeah, but that's also, don't those statistics also they include from the hands? So he can't be pressured from those. And I've seen him drive those. Like he, he did one against them um, when Forrest were trying to break quickly against United where he left it right on the head of Morgan Gibbs-White. Like it was yeah. a really good kick. Yeah. So he can, spring, he can spring an attack. By the way, he reads crosses nicely. He's fifth in the Premier League in percentage of crosses stopped. He's not, he's not losing his job. I understand why people would say that because this him getting this position at Nottingham Forest hasn't you know, if you if you wanted him to take it and run with it and have it be a huge success and him nail down the number one job, it hasn't necessarily gone that way. But he's not he's not losing his spot. He's just not. Um, all right. Next one, JJ. This comes from uh, Junior Soccer Star or JR Soccer Star. For the longest time, JJ spoke about his girlfriend. Recently, he Personal. said his recently he said his wife would divorce him. Um, when did they get hitched? So I believe what. Junior soccer stars referring to was on our podcast last week when you were telling the story about nearly nearly essing yourself. Essing you said in the countryside. Yeah. So I went back and listened, and I think I, I hate to say, it, but I think Junior Soccer Stars is, is mis has misheard or misremembered. Yeah, I, I said she'd leave me, right? And you, you here. I'll play the audio. Here, okay. here's literally what you said. It could have been potentially one of the low points. In my life. And I and I think I think Darcy would have left me. So there you go, JJ. There's no mention of wife and there's no mention of divorce. It's just Darcy would have left me. So I think I mean at this I, I mean at this point her leaving me would amount to pretty much the same thing as a divorce, except yeah. without um highly paid lawyers. It shows though that the listeners care. They want to know what, what's going on here. And they were worried. <laughs> no reason to be concerned. We're in a normal modern relationship. I mean, I know, I know you want it in front of a rabbi or a priest, but it, it, that's not the way the world works these days. Yeah, Plus, we're Scientologists. Let's oh, just let's just out there ourselves as Scientologists. We don't get married. We married to Zenu. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been cleared up. JJ has. We, we've clarified that there was no mention of wife or divorce. Uh, all right. Next one, JJ. This is an interesting one. 
This is an interesting one. This comes from XX Paris XX. Oh, oh, brilliant. Right. Fantastic. We have just given a mention to a sexual website. Yeah, there's I don't know if a bot submitted this. If so, this is very detailed. <laughs> very, and this very, bot, this bot I, has a clear interest in the US men's national team. Maybe that's his kink. Maybe that you know you know the way you get the porn <laughs> bots coming in, you know. Maybe this is uh thinking about the US midfield is the is the arousal point for um XX Paris XX. Right. Why was my tweet favorited by a naked woman with a U.S. men's national team scarf wrapped around her? Interesting. Hey, Um, Here we go. This is the question. Does Tyler Adams automatically get inserted back into the starting lineup when he's fit? Or does he have to earn it to beat out McKinney, Musa, and Reyna in the midfield? Uh, Musa has been solid. Wes is Juve's best player. And Reyna is one of our most lethal players when playing as a 10. Where does Adams fit in when all are healthy? Oh, uh, straight in. Well, first of all, straight into the team. Like you're not comparing like with like. This None is, of uh... those three do what Adams does. It's not that they don't do elements of what Adam does. Adams does, but they are much more to the fore in an attacking sense. If you look at their, I looked at all. I compared on FB Ref, which is brilliant. Like they're yeah. the midfielders, um, and I put in international competition and I put in domestic leagues, and if you compare what Adams and Musa do and McKinney do what those two guys, McKinney and Musa do is much more towards the front of the field, the attacking part of the field. It's not that they won't win tackles. It's not that they won't tackle. It's not that they won't be defensive at, at, at moments in the game, but Adams does way, way more, way, way more of like the midfield sure. engine room stuff, the passing, the, uh, the tackling multiple players, the um, ball willing, but all that stuff. That's what he does. And these guys don't, I mean, Rain, was Raina mentioned in there? Uh-huh. Anna, um, Raina, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't count, I don't count Raina as the same as McKinney or Musa. And he's in a, on a different planet to what Adams does. No, now, but, it's, obvious, but it's not necessarily about what he does. It's about there are, how do more, you fit them in? There, there's more guys of, of, first team quality than there are first team available spots. So the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, start off with who are the undroppables? And for me, Adams was in that group. I think he might have to re-earn his place as being one of the undroppables. Pulisic. Well, so here here they are. Pulisic's in that group. With the way McKinney, with what he's meant to the U.S. and the way he's playing for U of A, he's in that group. Anthony Robinson's in that group. Adams isn't going to play center back, not going to be a striker. So really you're just talking about Musa, Wea, Reyna, and Dest. Now, I don't see him going back to that. I know that there was the whole Adams right back thing when he started out. And by the way, some people might think Dest is one of the undroppables. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm there. But rule that out. That's not happening. So now you're kind of talking about, like, it's not going to be Wea. I don't see, to me, it would be a mistake taking Wea out of that right wing spot. He's so good there for the U.S. So it's figuring out Musa, Adams, and Reyna. Who's the odd man out? My gut is it'll probably be Reyna because he's not really playing much for his club and Musa's progressing really nicely at AC Milan. And, and you Adams, can't torpedo and Adams the captain. You can't the torpedo the base record. of your midfield. Right. But but I do think that Adams might have to, like right now, he it is a convert. Like, it's not a bad question for me. Like, we've seen a lot of guys, when Reyna has played for the U.S., we've said that they're in attack. They just look different. They are more lethal when he plays. And it's hard to erase that from your mind for a team that historically under Bearhalter has struggled scoring. And if Reyna adds that element in a way that Adams might not, it's a it's a valid question to ask. So I, I still put Adams back in, but he's not 
I don't know if he's slotted right back into the undroppables right away. I uh, think he, he might have to re-earn that. We don't have a player to if if you want to keep the four three three, if you want to keep that midfield uh, cohesion, if you want a guy who's going to drop in between the center backs, receive the ball, initiate play, win balls back, do all those things, you can't take him out of the midfield. What's taking him out of everything right now, professional football, is these injuries. Well, that's an issue. It's a massive issue. And it's. We get to a stage with players where you're like, ah. Um, and if they're not. We, we do have a different rule. I think we've settled on a different rule for international footballers, like about the amount of club time playing versus the amount of international time playing. You don't have to be starting every week in, week out. Lots of countries have to make do with guys who aren't always starting. It's just the nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do worry about Adams just from an injury standpoint, from a layoff standpoint. I also worry about Reina with this news that Jaden Sancho is going back to Borussia Dortmund. Reina's already behind what? Um, who's he behind? He's behind Royce and he's behind, well, who's the other? Uh, Brandt. In the, in the attack for, for Dortmund, like he's not a guaranteed starter there. And now Jaden Sancho's coming in on a contract, which means he'll have to play. Mm-hmm. So Reina could be looking for a club. Reina could be looking for a club he, this he should month. Be. He, should he should be. be looking, he should, he should be leave this month. Yeah. He should anyway, absolutely leave this month. I don't want to go off topic. Yeah, it's a good question. I understand what people are saying. I can't fathom when fully fit him not being in the side. Okay. By the way, while we're on this, I mentioned Pulisic. Um, I did want to mention this because it was kind of making some waves on social media and I found it interesting and I wanted to get your take. Uh, Nigel Real Coker was on CBS's Morning Footy. He's all permanently on that now. Yeah. Nige. So he said this about Pulisic. Um, he said, quote, I want to um, I want him to have that arrogance to say I'm the man. Uh, I th- can he get to world class level? I think he can. I've never been someone to doubt his ability because he does have the ability. He's got everything. It's the availability of staying fit for an entire season and having that bit of arrogance about him to say, uh, to say, right, everyone's watching me now. It's Christian Pulisic time. Like it's about me. I need what? to take this moment and show why I am this guy. What's he doesn't he seem to, he doesn't seem to have that edge about him, which is fine. He seems like a really nice guy, and I'm sure Charlie Davies knows him better than a lot of us. But for me, you need to have that arrogance. You know, you know the top players who play this game in world football. They've got that edge about them. They've got that arrogance. Where when it comes to these big moments, these big games, they deliver. I feel he's got the ability to do it, but it's that personality factor that's missing a little bit there. It's a lot of waffle. Okay. Jesus Christ! Imagine, imagine. Just imagine listening to that this morning with your coffee. Well, all right. And, and, ha- and having watched Pulisic, arrogance is not something I worry about from. The guy who celebrated in front of Mexican fans with his shirt off, getting pounded by beers. Yeah. The fellow that has not shied away from any of the fights that he's been involved with in the big high-profile CONCACAF matches. I mean, he wrote The Man guy in the that mirror. literally, <laughs> in the biggest moment in recent U.S. World Cup soccer history against Iran, scores a winner with his balls. And we're talking about arrogant, absolute, or just like, I, I know we're, we fall into this trap sometimes, just the, the need for content in the sport and to say something. I'm going to be the man. What, do you, what does that mean? Yeah, what I mean, does that mean? I scored a Champions League semifinal, a crucial Champions League semifinal goal for, uh, for Real Madrid. If he wants to be analytical and say, you know, sometimes in big spots, I think his finishing escapes him. Okay, fine. We can have a conversation about that. But these vague terms about him. Oh, yeah, look, Pulisic, for, for however Nonsense. much I, I adore him and whatever I think of him as a player, he, he's not above criticism. But questioning, is, questioning him in big games 
is is something I would question because like both Nations League games versus Mexico, two of the best. I mean, the most recent one was maybe the best performance he's ever had. World Cup on the line versus Iran, like you just said. Champions League semi against Madrid, like you said. His goal versus Liverpool in that awesome two two game. He scored a goal in the FA Cup final at Wembley before having to leave injured. For me, like the question with him is just about fitness and consistency. But I don't know that it's necessarily about arrogance and being the man in big moments yeah i don't get i just uh maybe i'm being too harsh on on, on nigel but you like, definitely are uh, i just you, gotta, you just gotta walk it back a little yeah well, all right okay i'll take it back a little i'll wind it back a little because we're always looking for work maybe we'll end up <laughs> on there no, 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 that's not all right fine it, it kind of is you have to play the game in this business as we're surely finding out <laughs> um so yeah maybe it, yeah i just arrogance not an issue not an issue Right. Christ, no. Well, thank you for the question from the, the from that sex bot. Much appreciated. Uh, next one, JJ. This comes from uh, SGRA No AGN. The question is: What, if anything, do you guys miss most about recording together in studio? Jeez, it's a it's a great question. Um, I would say first, like being there together is amazing. Like it just I know being a, being across from each other. This is still good. Um, and we found a way to make it work, but being across from each other is absolutely class. I, I would say second, and I'm speaking for you, it was an ESPN studio worth millions of dollars and we could edit things quickly and get oh, them out. It was very easy. Yeah. Very easy. Um, I miss being around the other ESPN staff. Like we had a system where like I'd finish my other media job in Midtown and I'd walk. I miss that walk. When I, if I had time and I was all prepared and ready to go, I'd walk up to, um, the Upper West Side to record, like you know, I go through um, Hell's Kitchen, and, and it was just—I don't know—I did it once in a snowstorm. It was awesome, absolutely awesome. Um, and then I get in and I'd see you, and we chat back and forth, and just meet everybody. Uh, and like, I mean, there was days. It was a day I walked in there. It was Bill Burr was in there. He was on the K show, and that was really cool. Um, but it didn't even have to be famous people. There it was just like a a routine and a buzz, and I missed that. And I miss, I miss yeah. just even going in and sh- I'd open the studio door and RJ would be producing the K show and he'd just shout at me, ah, the boy. And I'd shout at him, hello, boy. I, I miss that. Right. Just saying, it's mo- hello, it's, boy. Right. It's mostly, things that, with- it's mostly things that don't really have any bearing on the actual show. It's like no, all no. The, the fun stuff around it. No, Don, Don LaGreca might come out and he might be in a mood and it might be just funny or he might go off on something or, or we talk about our, our mutual appreciation for Husker Du. Um, just just stuff, man. Like just being around yeah. people. The COVID nah. completely killed that. And even being back in the studio when we were for that brief for 21 and, and, and most of 22, um, yeah, it wasn't the same. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I used to think that the shows where we were together in studio, I used to think that those were better, but now I, I can't tell anymore if I think they were or not. I still think for however good our microphones are, I still think that there's an audio quality in studio that's hard to replicate. But I don't yeah. know that I think that because like it helps because, you know, I can I can see you like we're looking at each other right now doing this podcast remotely. So I can still like the things that would have been advantageous about being in studio where I can read your body language and interpersonal yeah. stuff like um, I can still do that. Whereas before, like we wouldn't have been able to um, if we were just recording on like Google Voice, we used to do stuff like that. So I, I almost I can't really tell a difference between the shows anymore. But all that other stuff, yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one here. This is from uh Tar Heel Texan. 
By the way, these are all animals so far. God, the animals are just, they're amazing. The Reddit community is thriving and so awesome. Do you think if we um, needed to, we could mobilize them into a militia? We needed to. <laughs> it depends what the ask is. I think that they're ra- they're just barely rational enough that I don't know that they would blindly follow us into anything. Well, I'm not. I'm not you talking about put it to the test. I'm not about an overthrow of government or anything or usurping the constitution. I love the constitution. I'm not. I'm just saying maybe to do menial tasks, a militia that could you know go go and get shopping or take. Well, uh, we're two days away from January sixth, JJ. So, oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Um, really. Um, I think not about it really daily. It's seared into my brain. Anyway, sorry, Tar Heel Texan. I didn't mean to lump you into an insurrection. Um, your question. Uh, there's been plenty of talk in the pod about jerseys, but I can't recall much, if any, talk about hairstyles. Despite the money that they make, some of these players have the worst haircuts I've ever seen. Yeah. Why? What's up with these horrible hairstyles? Who are, Do you have any? I, I, I've listed a few here. But, that sir, I, but, but well, let me go. I'll go historic. You can go. OK, I have, to, I have today's game. So I I've I I don't really notice this anymore. I've grown up with footballers having terrible hairstyles. That's always been the case for me. Um like from I've lived through Taribo West. Terrible hair. Just like awful. Uh Google him guys. A brilliant player, awful hair. Andy Townsend bleached his hair for the World Cup in 94. Awful. Beckham had cornrows at one point. Like there's just no Rhyme or reason. I, I, it's the same as there when when you see Ederson and he's got a terrible tattoo, or what's the Italian? What's the Portuguese? Is it the Portuguese midfielder? I can't remember what. There's one midfielder on the inside of Portugal or Italy, and he's just got the worst. Oh, it's not. It's he's on Croatia. Brozovic's tattoo. Huh. It's like a um a cartoon exploding bomb on the side of his neck. Ederson has that stupid smiley face thing. Richarlison's tattoos have now migrated from his torso and are coming up the side of his neck. It's all about having too much time on their hands. Way too much time on their hands. Train in the morning for a few hours and then the whole day is yours. And also when you're going out on TV in front of millions and millions, like these guys get their haircut every week. Maybe twice every week. Remember how much uh, Mika Richards said, said he used to have a cut so regularly and it costs them like $300 a pop. So um, it's, 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 it's a time on their hands thing and they mess around more and they're really bad. Who's who's just a reminder to everyone. We're, we're not that far away from JJ having frosted tips. So let's go easy here on, on throwing (laughs) stones at glass houses. I never said I had a mullet. I've, I've had, I've had shocking, (laughs) I've had shocking haircuts, even in the lifetime of this podcast. Uh, I mean, it would be a mercy if I just went bald, just, Get it over with. Lose all that hair. The way you have it right now, you look great. I wouldn't change a thing. Well, thank you. But uh, I've done I've done terrible things. Terrible. You've seen them. I remember that one where I was literally. You shaved sh- up like the whole side half of your head. That's right. Yeah. Like, wow. The barber really, uh, barber really got after pre- it, huh? He, was, he looked like he was preparing me for an insurrection with that hair. Scissor hands. Yeah. Yeah. No, he really got. But that was a that was a young Armenian kid. He's just like, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. And when they say that. And you haven't finished telling them exactly what you want. You know, he's just, I'm not listening to you, dude. And I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah This is Barber fun time. <laughs> um, some of my current ones, this is, none of these are egregious. I just want to say that this is just personal preference for me. Um, I don't love Phil Foden's haircut. I don't know. <laughs> no analysis. Really. Um <laughs> No notes. Uh, Declan Rice. I'm sure like I'm sure that haircut costs a lot. Like you can tell it's very 
manicured and well groomed, but like the it's a low skin fade, right? Into then a lot of hair. Yeah, left long on top. I wouldn't. Yeah, standard. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would do that. Harvey Elliott. I don't know. Not not my thing. And then JJ, I have a question. So what's going on with Mo Salah? Like I think baldness is lurking right around the corner, and I think that has a lot to do with why he's let his hair grow the length that it has. Because I think he knows if I cut this, it ain't ever coming back. I think you see signs of baldness down like around the, the upper forehead area. Well, he's got the he's got the 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 power alleys. Is my, my, yeah, I think he knows. Michael K used to call them the power. What was it? Power alleys. Yeah, the the two things at the site. But like. If he trims it just a bit, it's fine. He's still got lots of it, like so. Just what he is now, though, he he he's slowly uh, morphing into what's the guitarist with Metallica? You know the guy I'm talking about, Lars Ulrich? Not no, he's the drummer, James Hetfield. I are you just saying whatever names from Metallica you can? Think I've of? run out. Um, I've exhausted my list. <laughs> what what the hell is the name of the guy? Oh. God, um, Lee, uh, Kirk, Kirk Hammond, the Edge. Yeah, he, his hair is is going Kirk Hammett's way, and um, yeah, he he does look like a, a kind of an aging rocker now. I think if he trims it at the back, trims a little off the top, he's fine. He's he fine. knows he knows JJ. If I cut this, it ain't ever coming back. No, I don't think we're there yet. He st- he still looks. I, I couldn't stop thinking of metal band though when I saw him. That's true enough. Uh let's see. Next one here is uh let's see, I don't know how you say some of these. All right, let's all right, let's do this, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> what young players have the potential to use this summer's major international tournaments to propel themselves to stardom? Oh, what a great question. And I'm sure well, we'll get way more into this come like June when we do more yeah. in-depth previews. But we're too far by out. By all means, give give the people an appetizer. We're we're too far out, but I've picked two. So I'm um and partly because I've been thinking about Leverkusen. Uh, I I, f- I feel like he made his debut when he was twelve, but I'm sure he was fifteen or sixteen. Uh, Florian uh, Verts for for the Germans. Um, they need something. <laughs> they they really do, and he's just. I don't think he's at twenty. Can you still be a wunderkind? Probably not. But he's yeah. But he's still fa- he's he's a he's a fantastic player, and I'm wondering if he can propel himself to 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 more prominence in the European Championships and for Copa America. And again, this is a this is JJ being very Premier League centric because he's been talked about a lot. Um, Tim Vickery called this player the complete article. Oh, like that is something. He's the Brazilian Andre at Fluminense. Mm. Um. 22, I suppose that's a little bit on the older side for, for young players these days, but no, nah, 22 is still young. Um, and apparently in Brazil, Vickery was saying they're really disappointed that the main team that seems to be in for him in the Premier League is is only lowly Fulham. Uh, hmm. apparently, like like Vickery says, he can do everything as a midfielder. So, well, what a coup that might be for Fulham then. What if, I mean, if they get him. And if that's the case, if he is the complete article, I expect him to uh, to do something at next year's Copa America, although it'll probably be tough to get into the that midfield. Um, JJ, can, uh, can he's 17, and I know he's hurt right now, but he should be back soon. Can Warren Zaire Emery get into that French squad? Because, God, does he look good. I know he's been hurt. He got hurt against Gibraltar. He scored at 17, mm. and then he hurt his ankle. 
Um, and so he's been out for like a month. I just wonder if he can Probably. get into that French he's side. He's got time. He's got enough time. There's enough games. God, I, love, I mean, he's so absurdly young. Just the mere thought that a 17-year-old could get into a squad as good as that French team is. Good Lord, where where is the ceiling for him? Um, Cole Palmer? Do you think he could make an impact with England this summer? Um, I think he's had a brilliant season, all things considered. Where and how and who loses their place? I wouldn't Gareth, out. Gareth, I mean, if he if he really really leads the charge for Chelsea uh, uh, up the table from now until May, and he just like Gareth can't ignore him, but. We've seen this before with, with Southgate, like the soup du jour, the, the player everyone's clamming for doesn't get in. He he likes to stick to his guys. Yeah, we'll see. But it looks like he's phasing some out, like Raheem Sterling. So, well, I don't know. I'm just starting yeah, maybe. off there. And then uh, Johan Bakayoko for Belgium. 20 years old, right winger for PSV. Really dangerous. Three goals, eight assists in the Dutch league. Um, he's got a shot with Belgium to make an impact. So, yeah, there's a few. There's a few for you. Uh, let's see. Moondog. Uh, two questions. Why is FS2 showing Saudi games? I don't have much on that. He says he's boycotting that. Uh, and which of the big six teams will be will be the first to be relegated? I, I can get through this quickly. So, so Fox acquired the rights to show the Saudi league. Yeah. And I, I think Fox have some kind of in with the higher ups in Saudi Arabia. Because first of all, the, the price I saw quoted... Now, DAZN have the rights for Canada, I think, as well. and So it has been sold around. But I saw a, a price from a website I can't sure I can trust, but it was such a low number that Fox would be insane not to have gone for it, and they went for it. Um, I also think Fox have some in with the higher-ups in Saudi Arabia, because don't forget um, a very rare interview in English conducted just before Christmas uh, with... Uh, Brett, oh, that's right. Brett Bear and Mohammed bin Salman on Fox, and everyone's like, "Ooh, that's that's a bit different." So there, maybe there's some kind of contact there. The the number I saw quoted online, which I'm not confident about, so don't take me at this. Was like <laughs> Fox Fox picked it up for half a million. Well, it's not like the Saudis need what the Saudis need is exposure, and what they want, not what they need, what they want is exposure. They don't need television money, <laughs> right? They're fine. No, that's so, true. Yeah, so there's yeah, some, yeah. so there's something going on there, I think. And uh, uh, the big six will not be relegated. None of the big six will be relegated unless there's a major internal collapse in one of those clubs because they are pretty much insulated against that happening. And it, that's, can't, it can't. It can't happen. happen. And it's part of the problem of of the Premier League. It's unbelievable that Man City they were in the third tier. They were relegated to the third tier in '98. Yep, not that long ago. It's not long ago <laughs> but at like, all. Forget it. I mean, it's just. And by the way, some of these, it's been the case for a long time. Arsenal haven't been relegated since 1913. So, like, they were already living in a reality where they're not going anywhere. Tottenham, 77. Uh, Manchester United, 74. Liverpool, 54. Chelsea, 88. Uh, no, I don't think... I think we've we've crossed a threshold with money yeah. where it can't happen. Now, I will put an asterisk on this question. Here's Why? how it could, Here's how it happens. If I were going to answer this, who's most likely to be the next one relegated... Manchester City would be my answer, but it would not be in the conventional way. Maybe the courts shock us with their financial stuff, and and maybe they get sent down. 
Like, I'm sure it was probably an insane thought for Italian fans to think Juve could go down. That was only 10 years ago. Scottish fans to see Rangers go down. So that's that's how it happens, is if yeah. there's some kind of financial that's fair like, play but, breach. Well, or an internal club collapse. But it, but it won't happen because they finished with 26 points in a season. <laughs> like that. That's not going to happen. So, yeah. No. Um, let's see, JJ. Next one here from Count we, Gracila. Oh, yeah, we've got to zip through these, man. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's barking orders at me. Someone help me. Um, Count Dressula, what was it like, JJ, to suddenly have to package and ship what I assume were hundreds of caught offside pod T-shirts? My wife and I ran an Etsy shop years ago to pay off our wedding debt, and shipping stress almost ended the relationship. <laughs> um, Listen, I, I wasn't prepared for it. I got prepared for it. I learned an awful lot. I did. I actually enjoyed the process. I also capped the amount of T-shirts we would sell, so I didn't literally go insane. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a serious undertaking. You We're about are, to find you're... out because now the next week the store goes live for real. Oh, I know, but it's fine. Like I will do it. I mean, uh, um, it's it's not it's it's a huge undertaking. Even even what I did before Christmas, massive undertaking. Um, but I would say in the way that, like, lots of people find shoveling their drive when it snows, or doing any kind of manual work, like really fulfilling. It is absolutely some of the most fulfilling stuff I've ever done. And we're getting pictures from people who've got T-shirts. Uh, one from a guy on a farm in Texas with his cow wearing his T-shirt. Just amazing. Covered in the uh, door already. It's already <laughs> being used as a rag. That's, that's shameful. Um, yeah, we're just we're just getting lots and lots of, uh, of texts from people. The proctors have sent us a, a, a text, um, sent a message. Uh, wearing their shirts just it's awesome like absolutely awesome now so, i would uh, like though to take this moment because our listeners have have really helped us in the past like michael bregman with our with the brand relaunch stuff like that like we've gotten help from people who listen to this show in various ways um so i would take this moment to solicit advice from our listeners jj who have experience in this sort of thing what is because right now about? well because you're this is a the undertaking for you when the store goes live for real mm. and and thousands of orders presumably start flooding in it's going to be a lot it just is so i'm just curious for other, for listeners that have delved into this kind of thing before like count dressula who ran an etsy shop what is the best method in in going about shipping out large numbers of goods like this like t-shirts what do you mean the best method well like... i want to know i'm curious how, what people what are the different ways some people like you are taking it on yourself other people have used services that do it no 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 there's, I'm there's just, no, I just want to no know services. I just want to know what you end people... up eating into 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 your profits. Well, and and both you and I won't want that. So I don't want to solicit. I don't want to solicit. Uh, I, send I, them to me at a gunling. Don't yeah, don't include. Don't, don't send them near me. I don't need your. I don't need your advice. Thanks. And then I'll forward them to him. <laughs> Uh, all right. Next me, one, just me, ship station, and a label printer. All right. Well, then you're not allowed to complain. This is the last time you get to complain. All right. Because I'm trying to help you. And uh, this is and and you're shunning it. No, you know? no. Instead of giving actual help, you're soliciting other people to give your help for you. Stop trying to dress. Well, it you up have like... to lean on people sometimes when you don't know. That's lean smart. Lean on me. All when right, you're this is... not strong. Next on, one. On. An... I'm trying to anonymous nobody thirteen. Oh, oh boy. Does Harry Kane get a trophy this year, or does Leverkusen hang on? Is it a failed move if Bayern don't win the Bundesliga? Well, um. um... 
Well, can, can we deal with the Leverkusen hanging on part? Sure. Uh, they're not hanging to anything. They're what, like four points clear at the top? They have a four-point lead. They yeah. have not lost a game this season. They're the only club left in Europe's top five leagues. So in the space of about a, a month after the Bundesliga restarts for, from the winter break, Leverkusen have VfB Stuttgart, uh, Leipzig, Leipzig, or as uh, Derek Ray says, Leipzig, uh, Bayern Munich once more uh, at home. And after that, you can say the run is fairly favorable, I would think. Um, they don't have the depth of resources of Bayern, but let's see how they go after the winter break. Um, as for a failure, I think being top scorer in the Bundesliga would not be a failure for Harry Kane, but he did not. Bayern win the league every year. So going there uh. to win the league was definitely part of, of the calculation. And so in, in that sense, yeah, it will be a major, major disappointment. Yeah. Yes. I'll say this on Bayern's behalf. The perception that they're underachieving, uh, I mean, they've lost one game this season. They've scored 49 goals in the league. That'd be the that'd be the most with some cushion of anyone in the Premier League. City, I think, have 45. Um, you know, five wins and a draw in the group stage of the Champions League. Like, this has not been a failure. It's just hard to account for Leverkusen not losing. Um, for Kane, oh. Oh man, just the thought of this, I kind of, I I'm sad for him because it would it's it'd be disastrous, but it wouldn't. I don't think any rational person would see it as his fault. Like he'll get made fun of for it, but he might score forty goals this season. <laughs> so like, how do you rectify those things? So I, I mean, as a personal um, achievement and something to look back in, in back on in years, I went to Germany and I was the top scorer in Germany for the best club in Germany. That's awesome. Brilliant. Right. Excellent. But he definitely factored in hoisting up that trophy at the end of the season and not having it is going to be, a, it's going to suck. Yeah. I've always said his, he didn't go to Germany to win Bundesliga titles. He went for his legacy in Europe, specifically with the Champions League and, and Bayern Munich gave him a chance to win that. So ultimately that, we'll see how that does. However, not winning the Bundesliga hurts him more than winning the Bundesliga helps him. Does that make sense? From yeah. a legacy perspective, definitely. 100%. Even though it's not, it is objectively not his fault, but it it's not a good look. It, it won't be a good look. Uh, let's see. Next one, JJ Marco R one hundred one six CR. Well, stop 24... reading the names out. Just read the start. I have to read the names. Unbelievable. Out. The names must be read. These people took time to write into us. Stumbling oh, man, through them. man of the people, JJ. Wow, what a guy! Don't read the names. It's, it's their handle. Get read Marco R one zero one six CR. What a. Will 2024 be the year Killian Mbappe finally joins Real Madrid? Ah, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, probably. I think it is. His desire to go there seems very, very strong. I have a lot to say here. No, don't. Because you I'm made, serious. I'm serious. Dude, you made the argument already for Liverpool. No, 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 no. But, but I was attacked, okay. first of all. And also, yeah. there have been developments. So, yes, go I on, do I do think this will be the year Mbappe joins Madrid. This is important, though. Ben Jacobs, I just saw within the last 24 hours, he had a couple tweets that are really important um, with regards to this. He writes, Kylian Mbappe confirms he has an agreement with Nasser Al-Khalafi to protect all parties. As revealed, there's a legally binding commitment, meaning if he does leave on a free, PSG are financially covered. Um, Mbappe said this to Abdullah Bulma. He said, I haven't made my choice yet, but we have an agreement with the president, which means all parties are protected. My future is not an internal subject. You have to think about the team. Nobody talks about my situation inside the club. So Ben Jacobs tweeted that. No one knew what the hell that meant of this idea of PSG. If he leaves on a free, PSG are covered. 
That's so broad. What does that mean? So I saw there's just a wave of messages back to Ben Jacobs saying, please clarify what that means. And he did. He said, for those asking what PSG being financially covered means, if Mbappe leaves on a free, he will either return or forego certain payments totaling a similar number to the kind of transfer fee PSG ex- expect. So bonuses of some sort, I guess he will not He will not take those and PSG will recoup something. So they are preparing for this. They know he's going to go. I know they're saying things like, you know, it's not ruled out that he could return, but agreements like this, I feel like don't happen uh, if a player has said, look, I love this club uh, and I, I want to be viewed in a positive light by this fan base. I want to do the right things. How can we make this work for everyone? And I guess this is this is the agreement that they came to. So I expect him to go. Now, uh, I want to point out from our last pod. So I, I made the pitch of what Liverpool could say, because Liverpool are going to get a ton of money, presumably from the Saudis for Salah. And so what can they say to PSG or to Mbappe to be in on him and try to bring him to Liverpool? And I made my pitch and Seth the Panda disputed it. He said at a gunling claiming Mbappe has to come to the Premier League to win the Ballon d'Or. But when was the last time a Premier League player won it? It's 2008 Ronaldo at Manchester United. Fair point. What I would say to that, though, is would we not agree that the profile of the Premier League has gone up in that time? It was always, I mean, it was always highly regarded, but while Messi and Ronaldo were in in La Liga, they pushed La Liga up and they were running step for step with the Premier League, maybe even a step ahead of it, but they're not there anymore. And also Messi and Ronaldo being on arch rivals in La Liga helped the profile of both of them. That's not the case anymore. This is just the pitch Liverpool would make. Like, yes, Madrid could counter on a pitch and they could say no player's international profile has ever been weakened by coming to Real Madrid. I get that. But it just comes down to the fact that Liverpool might have the money to match whatever it is that, you know, whatever it is that Madrid can pitch to Mbappe. And the Premier League is the best league in the world right now. So you tell the best player in the world, you need to be in the best league in the world. Holland's here. This is where you need to be. That's their pitch. Of course, I know Madrid can counter it with, with a pitch of their own. I'm just saying, if I'm Liverpool and John Henry, this is what I'm saying. That's all. Um, all right. Next one, JJ. Uh, Austin Gutekunst. Uh, he writes, I'm the Southampton fan that writes in occasionally. I was wondering if you guys could give a little championship update this year. Who do you think Ooh. will go up and down? Any players grab your attention? Do you think Leicester can beat Reading's record? Uh, thanks for all your work uh, you guys put into the pod. JJ, I cede the floor to you. I know you, your your tail is wagging with this one. Um. Thanks for the question, Austin. Reading in 0506, uh, 106 points, 99 goals, only two defeats under Steve Coppel. Leicester already have three defeats this season, I think, so probably not going to beat that Reading record for me, um, but absolutely flying. Uh, best players in the championship? Um, Irishman, uh, Zami Smotics at uh, Blackburn Rovers, top scorer with 16 goals. And then there's some familiar names uh, amongst the next few. Uh, Crescencio Somerville at Leeds. Uh, having a great season flying. I'm picking Wes Burns from Ipswich probably because of that viral goal, the outside of the boot, mm-hmm. um, where where Ipswich decided they would go from back to front in the most very eye-pleasing fashion and then score with the outside of the boot. Uh, Aaron Connolly, uh, Hull City, has impressed me a bit, probably because he's Irish as well, though, eight goals. Uh, our own Hadji Wright at Coventry. He's, he's doing all right. And probably, maybe, a candidate for player of the season um, at Leicester, Kiernan Dewsbury Hall. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of Hull and uh, Sheffield Wednesday the other day, Andrew, and I just, uh, I just enjoyed it so much. Just championship football on ESPN is still available. 
There you go. It's just funny looking at Leicester because they did keep so many of their players. It's a it's a Premier League team. Like we said, Leicester might be one of the best teams we've ever seen get relegated. I know those Newcastle teams and Villa, but like that Leicester team was, I thought, on paper, really good. And they've kept some like watching Wilfred and Didi, Pereira, James Justin, Ianacho, Vestergaard, like it's a Premier League team in the championship. They they'll they'll be back. They'll bounce right back. By the way, Josh Sargent returned from injury over the weekend after six scored. months. Scored. scored. Scored a really nice goal. Looks really, really good. Yep. Um the big thing with the championship, this playoff race is absurd. So Sunderland are sixth right now in the final playoff spot on 40 points. Preston North End are 14th. They have 35 points. Sixth to 14th are separated by five points. Have fun with that in the second half of the season. That's going to be unbelievable. Speaking of Sunderland, uh, a cup matchup against their hated rival, Sunderland. It's this weekend, isn't it? Let me just check for a second there. Yeah, FA Cup is this weekend. Yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, it is. It's on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, it's the early one, guys. And it's at the Stadium of Light, Sunderland, Newcastle. Uh, January 6th, 7.45 a.m. I'm getting up for that one. Yeah. Oh, yes, sir. Should be a decent atmosphere for that. Um, so we're halfway through on our 24 in 24. Good 12 Lord. In. Okay, so we, let's got go ahead. we got a we'll, zip. Come on. I know, I know. So we're, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll finish up the special mailbag pod coming up after this. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, just want to remind everybody, go vote. Uh, I've been putting the link for the sports podcast group's best football podcast award, which we've been shortlisted for as a finalist. Uh, it's in the show notes. So check there. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it again too. Um, so it got till January 28th. So get out the vote. I've seen some people tweeting to us that they're voting. That's awesome. Please tell your friends, keep doing it. That's uh, that's super cool. And like we mentioned also uh, the caught offside store should be fully open on Monday. Uh, yeah. And so- if you want to go and view the store and view some of the t-shirts we got up there, you can do that. It's caughtoffsidepod.com. It could not be easier. Caughtoffsidepod, not podcast, pod.com. Yeah. That's, there you go. There you go. And even if you have a t-shirt, if you were one of the lucky ones who got in on the pre-sale, there's a lot of other color choices to choose from. So that's all I'm going to say. Not telling you how to spend your money. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's continue now, JJ. And um, uh, we always do this before season, so it makes sense to do it at the halfway point, too. Bashamo, frequent uh, contributor to the show, um, he writes in first manager or anyone really to get the sack after the start of the new year yeah. Who and who's going to replace them. Uh, Roy Hodgson, not sack because he said he's leaving at the end of the season, but he'll be moved upstairs earlier than the end of the season. And Julian Lopetegui will come in. Hmm. Oh, interesting. So I did see as of December 30th, Skybet posted the odds 
who had the the best chances of being removed next. Okay. Hodgson was first. Yep. Ten Hogg second. Eddie Howe third. Vincent Company fourth, and Pochettino fifth. I don't think Company's going to get moved on. I don't think so either. I don't, I just don't feel that. I do think if Hodgson they go down, they're going to want a guy who's brought them back. Well, when yeah. you got one, so yeah, Hodgson and Ten Hogg. I think uh, you said Lopetegui. That's a, that's interesting. Also, I got a Graham Potter's got to get a job soon, right? What's he doing? Is he hired he... somewhere and I missed it? I don't think so. I think he's just hanging around. I, mean, I haven't like... seen him appear on any shows. When he starts coming on the shows, uh, then we'll then we'll know for sure. That's the Graham. Old... Uh, Graham, uh, you know what about yourself? Are you looking to get back in? Yeah, well, you know, I'm just you know hanging around grounds, putting my CV through the, the letterbox. <laughs> yeah, I, I always. I mean, I know Deserby has come into Brighton and just like completely made that his own, but. They were pretty damn good under Potter. Like he kind of did lay a groundwork there. Metro. Oh, oh, sorry. Metro, the newspaper, three hours ago. Manchester United approached Graham Potter as pressure builds on Eric Ten Hag. Hmm. Oh, I mean. Hmm. Oh. Well, United I mean, fans I like, accept that. I, I I like Potter, but his recent big club experience didn't go well. Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly what I had in mind. If anything, hmm. that might be more of a Lopetegui. But even that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, next one, JJ, from Treed. Uh, C.H. Reed. I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, people just, it's not easy. There's no There's no Billy Smith in here. Um, <laughs> let's see. Will we see you at any Copa America games this summer? I've been listening for years, and I don't recall you guys ever attending a game together. We have. Uh, we went to Liverpool Man City together at Yankee Stadium years ago. And we went to Red Bull uh, NYCFC at Yankee Stadium together. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we both did. were corporate boxes, so they don't really count. Uh, no, only one of them was. Both were corporate boxes. No, one of both. them were. We were in seats. No, we were, we were the, both were corporate boxes. No, we were in seat. Uh, whatever they um, were, you because you know you're wrong. No, we, we were in a box. we were in the ESPN box. For the at Yankee Stadium for the Liverpool Man City. No one game. cares. No one wants to hear about. Ah, uh, you know you're wrong. And we wealth. and we met we met uh, Damon Amendolara from CBS in the box of the of the uh, Yankee Stadium for the Red Bull NYCFC game. So we haven't been to a game together because we've both been in the box those times. But how uh, is that not going to a game? We sat next to each other. What do you mean? I don't think people care where our seats were. Just count. have you. You were wearing a suit doesn't and tie. Count. It was it was a. That's not true. Oh my god. Uh, we can post pictures. I had on a. I remember yeah. it well. I had on. We got a tour of Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Um, by the way, so I don't know that a, that Copa America tickets have officially gone on sale. I think it's still another like week and a half we, or so. We could go to Chile, but, Argentina. At, well, uh, yeah, at oh, yeah. Let, let's talk about that. So I went on StubHub last night, okay. and I just put in a search uh, for two tickets for the matches at MetLife Stadium. Right. Chile, Argentina, in the group stage. Uh huh. You ready to shell out five hundred and eleven dollars for the cheapest seat? Absolutely. I am moneyed now. With all 511 that, each. All that manscaped money. Five, yeah. 511 each right now is what I saw on stuff up. Uruguay, Bolivia, you got a better shot if, you, if you're willing to pay 220 for one of the worst seats in the stadium. Are you serious? 220 each it's, for one of the just worst everyone's seats. Gonna Uruguay, get Bolivia. Uh, and then, again, though, like I don't know what the market is because I don't know that they've officially gone on sale. And then the semifinal at MetLife, the cheapest that I could find right now on StubHub, it was uh, each, each 
$1,327. So, have, so ba- have fun basic, with that, everybody. Basically, folks, if we're there in a working capacity, then we will be there at the game. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be on our couch with a big bowl of nachos. That's the I, I got to check, though, because I don't know how reliable those numbers are. Again, I didn't think the tickets were official. I don't know. Yeah, so they're, there you they're go. going to be they're going to be through the roof for certain games. Any game that Messi's playing, at, it's just oh my god, stop. Yeah, uh, right. let's see. Brendan Breezley emailed the show. Andrew and JJ, what are your thoughts on the Copa America and European Championships happening at the same time? Do you think that FIFA should have tried to find a way to stage these tournaments at a different time, or do you think it doesn't really matter that much? What do you think the clubs think about this, and how do you guys plan to absorb all of it into the pot? Oh my god, uh, well, I mean, pot. FIFA, can't wait to purchase my shirt on the website. FIFA doesn't schedule them. Comnabal and UEFA schedule them within the the international calendar, so that's that. I don't think it matters. Time wise, it'll be fine. Copa America begins June twentieth and ends July fourteenth. The Euros begin June fourteenth and end July fourteenth. So the final is the same day. By the way, the Olympics also awesome. that the Olympics are July twenty fourth. Um, the Euro final is at three p.m. Eastern time on July fourteenth, and the Copa America final is at eight p.m. Eastern time. And and in terms of looking at times for matches, it doesn't look like there's crossover. Most of the Copa America matches are in the evening, and yep. obviously Euros will be in the morning and early so afternoon. Fine. So I it's, think it's, it's all right. It's just a ton of soccer, just <laughs> an absurd awesome. amount you're, of summer soccer in a yeah, month. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pick your battles. What would By your way, I, what is the ideal global calendar like? So world like I, I would say maybe so World Cup one year, Copa America the next, Euros the year after that. And then maybe Women's World Cup slash FIFA Club World Cup uh, the summer after that, and then back to World Cup again. Is that the right? Am I, I mean, is my yeah, math right I mean, there? That probably like that would probably solve some of that. And then Gold Cup. I mean, what sprinkled in there? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I found someone that uh, agrees with me that the European Championships is the best uh, international football tournament. His name is Sir James Carragher. It feels like almost like a Champions League now. You know, you get really excited for the knockout games. Mm. And I go back, obviously, I'm, I'm a user older than me, but remember when the Euros used to just be eight teams or, like, it went 16. to sort of 16? Yeah. And I just think that, I always think that was the best football tournament anywhere the Euros then. So it almost feels like, yeah, but, I can, you know, it's the Euros, it'll be good, but it just feels like the knockout stage is when it'll really come alive. And he is also wrong. I just thought it was interesting that someone else held that opinion. I thought it was the perfect tournament at 16. Perfect. But, yeah, I have to allow everybody in. Oh, oh my God. You know, you have had some very, over the last, th- that statement, your last pod about only local fans at games. This Not is only a, local fans, but that they this get This is priority. a very nationalistic JJ that we are seeing recently. <laughs> it's uh, It's the good nationalism, I think. Uh, let's see. Next one here from BBB Spurs 34. Injuries are a big topic this season. Sure are. Newcastle, Man United, Spurs, Brighton, and others have been challenged with many injuries. Do the guys uh, uh, see this as normal or exceptional? We hear reasons like fixture congestion, open style play, etc. Is this valid or is it just simply bad luck? Well, the Athletic did the work for us at the end of November. Um, and th- this is what they came up with. And it did, this is just worth listening to, guys. Um while there is no established link between the total of injuries and the number of extra minutes played. So we're in a season now where there is much more football being played, literally, not games, but literally in the football matches. Uh, the amount of injuries has increased overall when compared both to last season and the four-year average. The four-season injury average at this stage of the campaign is 170. 
And compared to this season's total of 196, that's an increase of around 15%. There is also a 30% rise from last season, 151. However, it is worth mentioning that incidence rates had dropped by 11% before the World Cup and the spacing of fixtures last campaign was impacted by game postponements following the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Wait for this one. Hamstring injuries are up 55% on the four-season average, with 53 by this stage of the season compared to an average of 34. They have also increased by 96% when compared to last season, 27. This data suggests that injuries, and specifically hamstring injuries, are on the up and that concerns over changes to the added time rules have been borne out. That's as succinct as I can get. There's definitely something going on. And you know what's interesting is when you look at the teams that have been most affected, obviously Newcastle has been a big one talked about a lot this season. Ben Dinnery was the one who conducted that research for The Athletic, Mm. and he pointed this out with regards to Newcastle. They rely on a smaller number of players. And those players are being overworked. He said Newcastle were the only team across Europe's top five leagues where nine of their outfield players were able to play a minimum of 75% of their domestic league minutes last season, which is unheard of, he says. So those like the mileage on those players last year was it was off the charts compared to other teams. Um, and and you're seeing maybe some of the wear and tear of that rear its head in the in this season. A thousand percent. And I would I would encourage not uh, Anybody who's played the game at high school level will say that's that's the level we'll 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 set it at. When you're 16 and 17 and you play 90 minutes, you're you're at your fittest that you'll ever be probably in your life in those years. And you're absolutely wrecked after games if you've if you've done anything at all. And if the pitch is even a little <laughs> bit a little bit heavy, your calves are pinging, your hamstrings, the next day you are creaking. Now imagine that on much firmer surfaces. And being a professional, this is what you do. And much higher intensity and pace. I mean, it just stands to reason. The human yeah. body wasn't created for any of this. It's, uh, I don't think that there's, like, it's more, it's it's the disease of more. Like, I don't think that there's a secret here. There's a lot of football being played. And I think that that's probably a contributing factor. Um, the biggest uh, contributing factor. Um, next one, JJ, from Eduardo Romo. Hey guys, hope y'all are doing well. Just wanted to thank you for putting out some great content over the years. I've been a listener since 2017. Nice. Uh, I have a, a suggestion for a topic of discussion or debate for you guys. Best goal in Mexico versus USA rivalry. My choice is Gio Dos Santos's goal versus USA in 2011 Gold Cup final. That's probably the, the answer. Uh, I'm probably biased as a Mexico fan and being present for that goal, but objectively, I think it's an awesome goal. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, that is. I, I pain. It's, it pains me to say it, but that is probably the answer such an extraordinary goal in such a huge moment. It's the most thrilling goal. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite goals in anything. Anything. I've, any game I've ever seen. Like he, the way he, he the keeps... The contr- development of it is He incredible. has his back to goal on the angle at, at one point. Like he's, there's no angle to shoot and he's got, uh, he's got the flailing Tim Howard snapping at his legs trying to, trying to get at the ball. And then he just dinks it. The most deft chip over the top of a six foot something defender into the top corner of the opposite side. And oh. Howard's reaction makes it too. He, oh. the way he slams the ground in anger. Like it's, and it was in a big moment. Typical one of the, goalkeeper in, though, in, looking for someone to blame. I don't know that he's blamed anyone. He's just oh, mad. Yeah, how does how has this gone in? How did that go in? Um, yeah. Incredible. In a Rose bowl that was packed that gold cup. I remember that gold cup felt big, 
Um, and God, what a goal to have scored. I do have three others. Um, I, I can already feel eyes rolling, but I mean, I'm sorry. Be- Michael Bradley's goal at the Azteca from like 35, 40 yards out, whatever it was. That's incredible. Um, it was good. Paul Aguilar, what a ridiculous winning volley he scored deep. It was like the 118th minute uh, in the CONCACAF Cup. Um, boy, what an incredible, I mean, that was soul-crushing for American fans, but God, what a goal that was. Ball just dropped out of the air, and he smashed it from an angle. And then uh, another incredible volley in a big moment, 2007 Gold Cup final, uh, Benny Failhopper. He, he would make my list. He would make my list. He smashed that one. Did we but, have Benny on the pod? I think we did, yeah. Yeah, I think we did. I don't know that we asked him about that. What a missed opportunity. No, that, you definitely did. Okay, good. Loser. <laughs> um, let's see. Next one here. CR did, Packers. I think this they is had a one quick already. one. Uh, this is a quick one. Yeah, he had one already, I think, this guy, but he's he's back again. What should Liverpool do about Mo Salah in January? Sell him or hold due to potentially winning the league? Jesus, like they do nothing. This can't be serious. Cannot Not, sell him. You're you top t- of the table. You're Liverpool. The thought of this no. is unacceptable. Oh, the man. money, the money's not going away from January to June. Just unthinkable. Do you? What would the? I remember how angry Liverpool fans were when um, Brendan Rodgers didn't play his his preferred eleven against Real Madrid in a Champions League game that they probably weren't going to have won anyway. Can you imagine how Liverpool fans would react? If while they're in a title race, they sold their best player. I mean, like crazy. I don't think so. It's Um, it's just not happening. No. Uh, Trevor emailed us. This is a question. Great name, by the way. That is a traditional name. You don't hear a lot. You just there's not enough Trevs going around. All right, Trev. Uh, this is a question for both of you. Longtime listener here. I'm relatively new to following the Premier League for about the last six years or so, but I really got into it during COVID in 2020. My question is, I'm struggling to find a team to support. My father moved to the United States from England in the late 1970s. He's from Birmingham and is a lifelong Villa supporter. Needless to say, he's enjoying the season. My grandpa, his dad, was from London, was an Arsenal supporter, so it would stand to reason that I should choose between those two clubs. My problem is this. I don't find myself drawn to any particular club. Rather, I'm drawn to individual players. I find the usual suspects like Salah, De Bruyne, Saka, and more to be appointment television. So any advice for you guys on how to pick a team? My only caveat is it can't be Newcastle, mainly due to their ownership situation. Love the pod. Happy New Year. All right. I think it's obvious for me. Okay. I, I just love the, the, the connection, the Birmingham connection. Lifelong Villa supporter. Just go with that. I said the same thing. Yeah, I just feel like go with that. But um, I also would say don't, if he's not feeling it, don't force it. Just but, keep but, watching and let it happen naturally. But yeah, I still find Kevin De Bruyne, you know, appointment TV too. You know, it, you can be a football supporter. Like I told you before about my friend Wayne, like he loves Leeds United. Like it's psychopathic how much he loves them and the amount of time he's invested in them. But he can still sit and talk football and appreciate every other team. I mean, they'll never be as good as Mel Sterland. That's his view. Or Billy Bremner. But like he, you can, you don't have to I would far sooner sit at, at a bar with someone watching a game and they don't support anyone but just like football. Far support. Far sooner that than some kind of rabid fan of anybody, including Liverpool. Well, um, yeah, uh, we used to do this. This used to be a thing we would do before every season where you had a questionnaire yeah. Uh, of random questions that in some way, when you put them, all your answers together, out came a Premier League team that suited you, our help a fan program. We haven't done it in a number of years. I don't know. Maybe uh, there's a generation of fans, listeners to this show that are 
like Trevor that need help. Maybe we got to bring it back next year. Something to think about. Okay. Um, all right. Next one here from Lalana Del Rey Four. What's your honest opinion of the new World Club Cup? Honest opinion. Like I, I don't hate the idea of, oh, hey, let's put the best teams in the world together and play against each other. That sounds pretty good to me. I like, I like this. I'm prepared to take this seriously. I what, 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 what it's asking of elite players is ridiculous, though. And well, that's, that's, why, that's why it doesn't work. It's, it's, not, it's not a small mini tournament that banged in in Christmas in Dubai or somewhere like that, which is, has got its own problems. It's a massive 32-team competition encompassing a summer for guys who've already just come off uh, a busy season and go straight into another season. It's 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 um it's just too big. I don't like it from that from that standpoint. I like yeah. the concept. Like the concept, if you put that, if you do that on FIFA when you're playing your PlayStation or playing the PlayStation or whatever you play, yeah, brilliant, great, awesome. Uh, in reality, it doesn't work. Well, that's the problem is like this tournament will only be as successful as the European clubs decide to, however seriously they decide to take it, is how successful this tournament can be. If they play their teams, and I think they will, I think FIFA will probably put some pressure on these teams to take this thing seriously, then you know, I think it could be a lot of fun. It does Now, it does factor into this disease of more that we're talking about because this is in this tournament is in addition to. It's not instead of. Nothing's going away for this. No, that's the problem. So that, that, what are you, what that are you will be lose? the issue. Nothing. That will be the issue. Like if it, you know, um, is, it, is this going to be a, a further contributing factor to injuries and stuff like that? Are teams not going to play their A squads in it? European teams not going to play A squads. But I don't know. For as somebody who is a fan of MLS, this is the concept of this is cool to see. Okay, where where do we where does this league slot in with Conmebol's best, with UEFA's best, with Asia? I'm I'm intri- I'm intrigued, and I'll take it seriously. It's going to be in the US in 2025, so I think it'll be fun. So yeah, uh, it's 32 teams, 12 from UEFA, six from Conmebol, four from CONCACAF, four from Asia, four from Africa, one from Oceania. Um, mm. Is my math right? I think I'm got something wrong there. I don't know. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's, it's too big. It's far too big. All right. Uh, next one here, Adam Schreiber. Is there any mm. hope of reversing the growing gap between big and small clubs? Uh, Brighton have been a shining example of what a well-run club looks like. Brilliant recruitment, attractive style of play, smart financial decisions. However, it seems as if any of the players or the manager get too good, they leave for a bigger club. Inevitably, this is recruitment. Uh, the team won't be able to keep up forever. Um, yeah. What, what do you make of this, JJ? I feel like this is a hot button thing for you. Yeah, it's it, it's the same thing. It's it's about the, re- the um, reallocation of the finances at the top equally down amongst all the other clubs in a, in a much more equitable fashion. Um, there are some clubs for whom it's hard to generate the revenue to match the Manchester United's, the Liverpool's of this world, and the, the, just the sheer size of the club, the region, the 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 amount of supporters they have caps their their revenue streams, caps their revenue abilities, and and sometimes and and the way it's the kind of way we see the top four, the big six, as as ingrained and permanent. That 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 seems very hard to to reverse and to be be more equitable equitable, but. Um, but but there are examples of doing it right. I know he says Brighton could be back in releg- relegation scrap in a few years. Okay. I think also supporters need to recognize that, you know, the problem is the Premier League is seen. You got to get into Premier League and then you got to stay in the Premier League. And, you know, that's where that's where everybody wants to be. But I think a re- you kind of have to recalibrate 
what you term success as. Like if you ask a West Brom fan about those years they went up and they went down, I mean, the going down I'm sure was tough after a tough season, but like the joy of being able to get back up and being competitive in another league, I, I think the EFL needs more help and it needs more money pumped into it and it needs more coverage and it needs more everything. It needs more care and attention. And I think that's how you build it. You build it from the bottom. And I I don't know if there's a desire to happen because everything, including ourselves, is so Premier League focused. Yeah. But even within the like some of the some of the problem is on the players themselves too. Like I don't mean this as in any offensive way, but a lot of these guys, they don't, you know, they don't dream necessarily of one day I'm gonna play for Brighton. Like they it's kind well, of been pumped, this, it's been pumped a... into them that like United, Liverpool. Now look, Man City have kind of warped that, but they did so with money, and now a generation is going to grow up where Man City is also one of those teams. Um, but like there are certain clubs that if you are one of the best players, you are it's just been kind of you've been brainwashed into believing this is where I need to be. Uh, like I don't know, like JJ, how how good could Southampton have been if they could have kept some of those teams together from you know around 2010 to 2013, like that era, you know? Yeah, like this, it's Brighton now. It's this has been all through time that there's been different versions of that all through the years. But guys want to leave, and it's not always financial. It's also status. It's there's a lot of reasons. It's yeah, hard, of it's hard to change is. that trend. But that's what I'm talking about. It's it's ingrained that Arsenal are bigger than Brighton, and so if you get right. the chance to go from Brighton, to, like look at Trossard. Trossard is a bona fide starter at Brighton, he, and he's a he's a impact sub at Arsenal. But yeah. of course, he's making that move. Yep. Uh, Elizabeth Cole emails the show. Um, she said, hi, Andrew JJ. Happy New Year. I've always thought about writing into the podcast to say thank you, but was weirdly nervous. Don't be. No one should ever be nervous to read to reach out to the show. Um, I'm a relatively new fan of professional soccer, both MLS and Premier League, uh, although I did play poorly in high school. I'm a teacher, elementary special occasion, uh, special education. Wow, you are. Um, this is this is a good person right here. I started watching the Premier League in the mor- in mornings a few years ago. I'm a big sports fan. Go Ravens, go Orioles. And so was happy to have some live sports to watch on weekend mornings. And trying to learn more about the teams and leagues, I found your podcast and been a faithful listener ever since. I was initially a Manchester City fan. They were the first team I really learned who all the players were, but have since become more uncomfortable with issues in ownership, financial allegations, etc. Um, and she kind of goes on to talk more about... Um, her job as a teacher and how it's been difficult. So we, we implore you hang in there cause you're doing some unbelievably important work and thank you for listening. And on that note about city, um, I don't have too much on this, but I kind of just want to ask you, JJ, this, her, her issues with their ownership, financial city, Newcastle, like this growing trend. Do you, is this a thing? Like, do you think that she is part of a large group of fans that are bothered by this and have a hard time reckoning with it? Or do you think that it's been normalized and people aren't really thinking about it or bothered by it anymore? I genuinely don't know. I'm curious what you think. You don't, you don't, you don't know anymore. I don't know if people care anymore. Oh, they're owned by a country. Oh, what? Like, has it, is it just so, so normal now that like, People don't. People are going to root for Man City and not think about that right away. They're going to think about De Bruyne and Holland and Trebles. They're not going to think about, you know, being owned by a state. Newcastle. They're not thinking about the Saudis. Like, has has this been normalized? I think it has. I think in the case of Man City, there's something, there's something more palatable about it. 
the 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 country that owns them is smaller, albeit wealthy. The crimes they commit aren't that well known. Are, are kind of you know, if I was to say famine in Yemen and a proxy war, people would be like they wouldn't initially. You 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 have to do a bit more digging to see the the ethical problems with Manchester City. May I think you're probably right. I think sports washing's worked. Yeah, that's that's why these. That's I why think it, it happens. Re- and, yeah. yeah, and I think in the in the case of Man City, they, it it really has. It has worked, and, um, and right. people and then, think about when you think Man City, like you think Aguero, Kevin De Aguero scoring that goal against Vincent QPR. Company, yeah, yeah like, they've they've crammed enough history, and also I think the 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 race with Liverpool, the head to head over the those City Pool years, those three or four years where it was like, oh, here we go, these two are going at it again. Who's going to win this time? Uh, well, it was almost always City, but um, I think those years actually did did them a huge service. The football was so good, the excitement was so intense, and yeah, people aren't thinking about the pretty much terrible, terrible things and the terrible setup of that country. Uh, last one, I believe this is the last one. Wow, or two more actually, but one of them is silliness. Uh, Man wearing shoes writes in. Uh, perhaps too niche to make into the pod. Well, apparently not, but important in today's international club football climate and one that's flown under the radar. What is going on with Schalke? One of Germany's most historic, best supported clubs that has been relegated twice in the last three years and currently sitting just above the drop zone in Bundesliga two. How did it get this bad? And where did the fall from grace? Unbelievable. Where does the fall from grace end? Um, so I looked into this kind of deeply and it is, it's fascinating and it's clear so in 2018, they were Bundesliga runners-up to Bayern Munich. Five years ago. In 2019, they went out of the Champions League in the round of 16 against Man City. Like, this all just happened. And then two years later, they're relegated to Bundesliga 2. They come back up. Then next year, they go right back down. Now they're 14th in the second division. So Roger Hampel, he went... He, oh, yeah. you read? Did you read his uh, his article as well he wrote about this for the football business journal back in august and uh, here, i tell you it, it's so it's so digestible for for someone who has properly been tracking it but it's it's really good and, and the and conclusions are so clear cut like so first the first issue he says was a management lapse between 2016 and 2020 half of Schalke's gold quote-unquote golden generation left the club without generating any income due to a failure in negotiating timely contract extensions. This list includes notable players like Joel Matip, Sayed Kolasinac, Max Meyer, Leon Goretzka, Alexander Nubel. Uh, the club missed out on a potential income of 120 million euros from these transfers. They all just left on free transfers. <laughs> Look at those names. You know, Matip to Liverpool, Kolasinac to Arsenal. Minus Ma- 120 million. Goretzka to Bayern. I'm, 120 million euros just walked out the door. So then the problem with that is to remain competitive, he goes on to say, Schalke often purchased players at prices beyond their means. So they lost all those players for free, but still bought players who were somewhat expensive. And then he writes, regrettably, most of these transfers turn out to be flops with players leaving cheaper for other clubs. This poor strategy led to losses amounting to 91.5 million euros from unsuccessful transfers. Therefore, poor transfer decisions resulted in a total deficit of 211.5 million euros. To put into perspective, Schalke's losses are almost 10 times their record transfer fee. To grasp the scale, imagine Real Madrid, Barcelona, or PSG losing 10 times their record transfer fee, which would equate to 1.15 billion, 1.6 billion, and 2.2 two billion respectively i mean it's it's 
It is the most unsustainable transfer dealings I think I've ever seen in my entire life. In the end, he, you know, there are a couple other conclusions. He points out kind of a desperation to keep pace with Borussia Dortmund, their biggest rivals, try to outspend mistakes, instability with coaching, lack of identity. But ultimately, I mean, when when you look at it, financial mismanagement, it's so it's so painfully obvious. That is what was at the core of what happened to them. And now they're unfortunately this you reap what you sow and and here they are and well, it's, it seems quite plain as to why they're in the situation they're in well andrew well 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 did you see derek ray's tweet i didn't oh. i saw something else maybe maybe it's related to what Might i'm be about this, to i bet it is because i know your tone right now and i know where you're heading well 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 i was just uh just doing some research early this morning and uh-huh. uh the news broke broke over in Germany, that there's a new sporting director at Schalke who's going to turn things around. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, if, if if you were in charge of Schalke, this guy wouldn't get to the gate. Mark Wilmots, <laughs> come yeah. on down. Yeah, I saw it too. <laughs> oh, my God. For, for people who are new to the podcast or just that haven't listened, I think it was around 2016, uh, Andrew made... Mark Vilmot's his uh, red card nominee. I, I it must have been four times. Um, it was so and, weird. Yeah, and you just hate him because you believe he squandered the golden generation or helped to squander the golden generation of Belgian football. It happened so nat. I didn't. I I was never targeting him. How can I work Vilmot's into my red card? It just I, happened. It just happened over and over. Yeah, but to the yeah. point where a restraining order was issued. Uh, there was slander. <laughs> Uh, you went on the Pat McAfee show and said awful. Oh my god! Him. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. There's your Shalka breakdown, which actually he said is this too nuanced for the pod. No, no, I actually it. found it really interesting, and and uh, I'm glad that we kind of could dive into some of that because I is... would uh, I would also the man- managerial instability, like you know, constantly psych- firing, hiring, all that kind of stuff. It's it 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 is they're the Leeds United of. Uh, of German football. Yeah. But that, that managerial instability came from having bad players. Like they, they lost, they lost all their best players for no money, then signed bad players for a lot of money and took huge losses. And yeah. like, yeah. So exactly a lot right. of managers were thrust into some really bad situations. Um, all right. Last one, the 24th question, JJ comes from Hicksopotamus, uh, who writes in, I have emailed and I have messaged JJ here on Reddit. Oh, yeah. I have a recording. I have a recording of EPL back for more. EPL back for more. And the rap battle. Can I please release it into the wild? I won't yep. do so without approval from the boys, as I know Andrew's weird body syndrome applies to this song as well. Just do it, man. Just do so, it. I, I, I give my blessing. I don't know why I didn't do it earlier. You emailed me months ago. I apologize. Just do it. Release. First off, I would say the release. rap battle, by all means, I think we both, I you think we actually. destroyed me in the rap battle. But you were great too. I think we actually, I think people expected a disaster and I think we stunned people. No, yours but, was. Yours was so much better than mine that it was it was scary. But I don't mind I don't mind being exposed if everyone gets to hear you rap again. That was before the 2019 caught offside cup, Jeez, not before man. the Champions League final. Uh, it just so happened that a few months later, Tottenham and Liverpool played again. But the rap battle, oh, please do release it to record and companies. EPL back for more. EPL back for more. EPL back for more. People will EPL back for more is so bad. It's one of the. It's the kind of bad where people will look at me differently after they hear it. <laughs> it's so. It's that good, kind though. of bad. 
in many other ways. <laughs> it, it, it I, look, cool. I won't stop. I, I won't stop you if you want it out there. And, Guys, and you, I, and I you don't care ca- that my reputation, that I have kids now that will have to grow up in a world where their friends can make fun <laughs> of them because of the things their dad has done. EPL, back for more. I, then sure. I, I, um, I'll never forget when you played it for me and you were so proud of it. And um, I, I, got, I laughed so hard that I thought I was going to poop a kidney. Or my side was going to split and all my entrails would spill onto the floor. It was unbelievable. The problem, which I've always said is to this day, for people who don't know, this was probably eight eight years ago or so before the season. I I said, hey, let's make a song about the Premier League coming back for our our season preview. And you agreed. And it was going to be, I I made a lot of lyrics to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. EPL, back for more. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so i did a sample recording and then to give to you so you could hear it and understand where what you're doing and you refused and then you made me release that on the pod that's the fact which of was, it. I was never like, supposed I to be released i can't do this <laughs> and that's how it happened oh man that was fun though that was that was this is yeah. one of the best podcasts we've done Apologies to those who didn't get their questions because there were a lot. Uh, Broside in 23, me and NYC, Red Odd Sun, Steve Coyce, to name a few, because I know those guys are all great listeners. I see your comments all the time. Thank you. We'll definitely try to get to you next time. Also, Cole from Colorado, who grew up in Iowa. Um, he had a great question on Dortmund. Cole, when the Champions League resumes, remind us about your question, and we'll get it into the pod then when uh, when we're talking Dortmund again, because it was a really good one. But uh, there were a lot of people that we didn't get to, and I feel bad about that, but 24 was the cutoff. Um, for, I enjoyed I'm, this. Oh, enjoyed it was so this. much fun. And I just want to say for people who still think I hate Wisconsin, I hate middle America. Guys, I've just finished season one of Fargo. Magnificent. That's all Mag- it takes, huh? That's all it takes. Uh, we will be back, of course, next week with more Caught Offside. And at that point, the the store should be open. So what was the website again, JJ? CaughtOffsidePod.com. When you do that, right after that, go find where you vote. For uh, it's, I don't think we. Is there a way to get that on the website? Uh, a link to that? Uh, we got to figure that stuff out. I don't know all this technology. JJ, hey, to you I say, check you later, fun boy. I'll see ya. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.